Welcome to the Lighthouse Podcast. We hope you enjoy the second installment of our Hive series, Honeycomb. Funny. Oh my goodness. How many people have liked the Hive? Did you guys like the, the Hive series so far? The Beehive last week? I, I think one of my favorite parts is everyone coming in and like seeing the Beehive, looking at it and going, wait, uh, is that real? Yes, it was. It, we had a full beehive, like, sitting right here, a glass encased. It was, we, our budget is not enough to get robotic bees to look like they're bees. We just use real bees. Um, we are in the hive series. The whole, the tagline of the series is the power of unity. The power of unity. Do you know how many times Jesus talks about unity? The Bible is littered with references to being unified, to being in community, to being together, rather than being isolated and alone. It's so interesting. Today's message is entitled Honeycomb. Honeycomb. Uh, Patty put up a wonderful pun in the back there in the hallway. What was, what was that? I laugh, but I can't, I can't say it off the top of my head. What was it? There's no place like comb. That's funny. David walked by, and then he kind of touched his hair like, what? <laughs> uh, honeycomb. Honeycomb is, is the storage. It's, it's what houses everything that happens at the hive. It's the walls. It's the infrastructure. Uh, last week, we talked about it. It's so interesting. Bees do not have the instinct to make hexagonal honeycomb. Do you know, they're not born with that ability. That's not in their DNA. You know, every single bee... When they're born, they have to go through this thing where older bees come in and partner and show them how to make this hexagon shape. The older teaches the younger. It's, that's the way that church is instructed to be like. That's how we're instructed throughout all the Proverbs and Acts and Psalms and, and everything. It's so unique that as we age and we grow in our faith, it's that we turn around and we start teaching others around us. That's how a honeycomb comes into existence with bees. The older teach the younger. Number one, the first aspect of the honeycomb is it stores honey. Stores honey. That, there's, there's three things that honeycomb stores, and the first aspect is honey. It's, it's what we're most familiar with. It's what we all understand. It's that honey is in it. You know, bees spend their entire lives, the, the ones that actually go out and grab the honey, they spend their entire lives getting honey and bring it back. and they, that's, that's all they do their whole life. That's it. That's so tedious. <laughs> no vacation time. There's no Jerry Seinfeld going around visiting coffee shops, if you've seen the bee movie. <laughs> My kids were addicted to it for a while. It's okay. You know, that, that's interesting. So I, I had to research, like, why? <laughs> why? Why do you spend your whole life grabbing honey? That's kind of like, why do you do that? And it turns out bees have to get honey every single day that they can grab honey from flowers and bring it back. They bring the nectar back and they have to spit, this is going to get gross, they spit the nectar into another bee's mouth back and forth until it goes from 70% moisture to 20% moisture and that becomes honey and that's when they store it. I, I know, it's a fact. I didn't want to know that fact, but now I know it and now I have to pass it on to you guys because I can't, I can't bear that burden myself. It's nasty. And then we eat the honey. It's, yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Gross. So they do this. So then they store up, they, they get the honey, they bring it back, they store it in the honeycomb, and they have to build up enough supply to last the winter. 
That's the entire life of a bee, is they're storing up all this honey through the spring and through summer just to bring it back to last winter. That's it. And and you know what kind of boggles my mind a little bit more? Is, did you know bees only last six to eight weeks? That's their life. So, so, (laughs) get this. They go their entire full life collecting honey so that another bee can survive the winter. It just boggles your mind, right? How much spiritual implication is this for us? Sometimes we go through toiling all these things so we can pass it down to another generation so they can go through the burdens and frustrations that we were able to live off of. They live and they make good choices based on our testimonies that we share. Don't take your testimony for granted. Store it with the hive and not your individual self. There's no bee making a second hive sitting around going to its little honeycomb going, this is my, my little honey for the year, you know? No, they, they bring it back to the hive to share with the community so that they will be able to have others outlast the winter. So I I wrote down three aspects of what honey represents and what we need to store in this honeycomb. The first aspect, A, is store testimony. So uh, the honey represents illustratively our testimonies. What's going to get us through the winter? Winter being like harsh times, winter being times when we're not flourishing with food, if you will. It's our testimonies. Times when we're kind of frustrated that we're not able to make it through, times that are just hard, that's, that represents winter. It's our testimonies are the honey. Our testimonies are what's going to get us through. It's, it's the times that we can break open this old journal or this old word and go, if, if God could make me through it before, he can do it again. If this hard time, I was able to get through this, I can get through this. We got to reflect on our testimonies. When things are good, write down those moments. Man, God, thank you so much. You, you really blessed me today. Write it down. Take note. Put it, put it on your phone. Put it, I don't know, hire, hire a skywriter so it lasts. Whatever you got to do. Store your testimony. But it's critical that you don't just store it alone. You got to store it in the hive. You got to store it with your, your community. The people you love, your testimony is no good to you alone. But it's for the community. You know Why? Because not only will it help someone else out and encourage them, but when you start going through a season of hard, that person can just like slow, throw it back in your face. Be like, remember when God showed up before? And it's like, oh, yeah, I know. It's those like loving hard moments or it's like when we need someone else to remind us like, hey, God's good and he's faithful. Yeah, well, I don't see it right now. Well, you're in winter season. Get, get over it. Change your attitude and God's going to show up. The second thing that represents honey, storing the honeycomb, is, is be store worship. Store worship. I love this. I wanted to look at this verse. <clears throat> I jumped the gun on you. Sorry, Miranda. I'm going back a little bit. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6 through 7. And David was greatly distressed. Isn't that a great way to start a verse? It's like so nice. Oh, I don't want to read the rest. For the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved 
every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Then he said to Abathar, the priest, bring me the ephod. So Abathar brought it. This is, this is one of those verses that's not really preached on a lot, but it's like, it's one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. For many reasons, but one of them is David encouraged himself in the Lord. David encouraged himself in the Lord. If you're going through something, David encouraged himself in the Lord. If David can encourage himself when people are talking about murdering him, you can encourage yourself through whatever you're going through. This story, I had to take this verse a little bit out of context, but I wanted to share briefly what's happening so we understand this a little bit more. David was greatly distressed. What's going on is David grabbed his army, marched to go meet this other army, and what the other army did was they were sneaky, went around them, went to where they just came from, their home, burned it to the ground, murdered people, and then stole the wives and the daughters and took them back to their nation. This is old school days. And David and the army men are going, my whole family is gone now. My sons are murdered. My wife is now being held captive by someone else. Who knows what's happening to my daughter? And my home is burned to the ground. They got nothing left. And real quickly, their entire emotional state has just gone from, we're going to take on this army to, what have you done to us, David? You took us out of the city, and now it's your fault we're in this. And David's like, I, I heard from God to say, let's go after this enemy. And now he's greatly distressed. I don't think those words really sum up what's really happening. He, he has the burden of what happened to his own family, and he has the burden of what happened to all these other people's families because he led them out here. I mean, that's, that's hard. It's hard to be a leader because not only are you have to take on your own personal hurt, but you are taking on the hurt of everyone else that's going on. And so David encouraged himself in the Lord. The first aspect, again, going back to A, is David had to store up a testimony. He had to pull on a testimony from his past. Remember when God did this, I killed Goliath, a rock, I can do it again. He's pulling on a testimony from his past. And B, store worship. This pulls from this verse. Love it because David, the first thing he asked is he said, bring, bring me the ephod. If you don't know what that is, that's, that's the wardrobe that the worship leader wore. It's this outfit that you would, you would lead people into worship when you wore it. Just start screaming and yelling and chanting it and just unadulterated worship to God. And David's like, bring me my ephod. And people are like, we're going to murder you. Bring me the ephod. <laughs> and that doesn't make any sense. Because everyone else, every other leader, every other king, every other warrior of the time would say, Grab your sword, we're going to go do business. And David's like, no, I need to worship my God. First thing you got to do is when things happen and when stuff hits the fan, you got to turn to worship first and just say, God, I need to praise you. 
I don't feel like praising you, but I need to praise you because my praise will get my mind out of this rut. My worship will draw you near to me and then I can start thinking clearly and hearing your voice of what to do. It's the worship that we need to go after. So in the honeycomb, the, the aspect is we have to store up testimony and we have to store up worship. And I love it because he says, bring me the ephod, meaning the ephod was already on hand. It was ready for him to grab. He didn't have to say, can someone go knit me an ephod? No, he was, he was ready to worship God. And then C, this, this will save you more times than not. Store up relationships. When David was distressed and everyone wanted to murder him and kill him, I thought it was interesting because he says, then he said to Abathur the priest, go, can you go do this for me? Everyone wants to kill him, but he's still able to talk to someone rationally and say, can you do this for me? Can you serve me? Even though the last thing he said, will you serve me, just led to the destruction of all these families and their home. He was able to, to pull on a relationship that he had been storing up. It's huge. When, when we're going through turmoil, one of the greatest things we could pull on are relationships. Don't take for granted the people sitting next to you. If you're sitting next to someone maybe you've never sat next to today, you don't have to look at them. Gosh, that's awkward, guys. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm joking. But the people sitting next to you, even if you've never talked to them, you've never spoke to them, you've never done anything with them, they're the people, I guarantee you, are some of the greatest people you'll ever have in your life because they'll be able to pray for you no matter what. You maybe have never shared a sentence with them, but they're the ones that will be at bat for you because we're in community. At the end of the story, we don't have time to go into more of the scripture, but it says that David went in, he praised God, he worshiped God, and he said, God, what should I do? Do I <laughs> go back and just start new? run like a dog with my tail between my legs, or do I go and just kill off this other army and try to get these family members back? And God, God says, you go do work. <laughs> go kill them. Go get the families back. I'll be with you no matter what. And it, it was interesting because then David said, let's go after them now. And all of a sudden, the relationships he had, the people that were going to kill him, dropped the rocks, grabbed the swords, and go, all right, let's do it. <laughs> they went from wanting, like, most hated person on the planet to, all right, I trust you, I'll follow after you in an instant because he had relationships with them. Don't discount your relationships. The second aspect of honeycomb, it stores up honey, and that's what we just talked about, but it stores up future generations. In the same honeycomb, the, the hive that Jay brought, it was really interesting because I thought the middle part was like dirty or for whatever reason on the honeycomb. And I was like, Jay, Jay, why is this so dirty? And the outsides look like, you know, clean, like as if someone like windexed the honeycomb or something. And Jay was saying that the darker spots are actually the larva and the, the growing bees. It's what the, the queen is, has laid the egg and now they're larva, they're growing. And it's dark because all the drones are walking back and forth, back and forth, cleaning them and taking care of them. And the outside, it's the honey, and no one's really walking over that because it's stored for winter. And it's really interesting. Honeycomb stores up future generations. 
And I think that's interesting because the church represents a honeycomb in the sense that future generations will be coming out of here, our church. There's future generations sitting here right now, and there's future generations that aren't even born yet, and we're housing them. It's really interesting. So the queen bee brings new life in, a, in an instant, represents God, represents Jesus. The queen bee just keeps bringing new life. But do you know the, the nurse bees, it's probably the incorrect term, I just put that there. The nurse bees will visit an individual larva, ready, 10,000 times before it is capped as a pupa. We're talking like four or five days, 10,000 visits. That's a lot. There's a lot of touch points. There's a lot of cleaning. There's a lot of checking. There's a lot of making sure we're okay. We're all set. And it's fascinating because are we doing that for our next generation? Are we checking on the new life that's happening? Someone who's just recently saved or someone who hasn't grown or has, someone who hasn't experienced God and has this foundation of who Jesus is and what this faith is, do we have these touch points where we're saying, how can I help you grow in God? Or are we just saying, ah, you'll figure it out. Because in a hive, those babies cannot live unless they're being cared for continuously because they're brand newborn. Born-again Christians cannot thrive unless they have all these touch points and people saying, how can I help you? Let's get together. Let's just talk about God. And it's up to the worker bees, the older bees, the nurse bees, just say, I'll take on that responsibility. No one walks by. The queen doesn't walk by and say, hey, tag, you're it. Go take care of that one. No, they, they say, no one's walking by this one. I'll do it. No one, no one announces it. Bees aren't telling other bees, oh, I'm taking care of this one. This is, you know, don't worry about it. No, they just say, I'm taking care of this. Oh, this one, is this one okay? I haven't seen, is anyone taking care? I'll take care of this one too. And they're walking around and, and that's, that's how the community of the church is really supposed to exist and, and thrive. It's we're walking around saying, how are you doing? How, how's your foundation? How, how's your worship? How's your relationship with God going? Uh, I don't know. I, I got a Bible when I raised my hand once. It's really cool. Can we talk about that some more? <laughs> let's grab some coffee. Let's, let's meet up. Are we willing to dive into more heavy relationships? Because honeycomb is storing future generations. The new life that Jesus just brought is up to you to take care of it so it flourishes for the next generation. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says this, Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. If you want to know what he's summarizing, read verse 1 through 25. When you meet together, one will sing, one will teach, Another will tell some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. Another translation says build up. Another translation says encourage. The goal of community, what it ends with, is that we're built up and encouraged. You need to be built up. You need to be encouraged. You need to grow stronger. That's the goal of this. If you're not being built up, reach out. And if you see someone not being built up, that is on you. That is the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart at that moment saying, man, that, that person, they're not growing very well. Well, eh. <laughs> that's not it. It's up to you to say, 
God is giving you this vision inside your mind and he's speaking to your heart to reach out because chances are, like what we said earlier with Jesus and how the Holy Spirit works, is they're going through something that you went through and they need to get through that season. They need you. A, storing up future generations built up. Church doesn't exist to tear down people. I'm sorry that 0.2% of the Christian church has been on TV tearing down people. I apologize for that, but that's not the end goal of the church. Our goal, summarized for us in 1 Corinthians, is to build people up. We're to encourage. Future generations are coming up all around us, and it's our job to be like the nurse bee, checking often, making sure young in years and young Christianity is being raised up and built up. Just because someone's not 12 or 15 years old doesn't mean they're a young, not a young Christian. Your age does not matter in your relationship with God. We need to check on all, uh, each other. Built up. B, frequently. Frequently. In the, in the scripture it says, when you meet together, it's not if you meet once. It's, when, it's, it's the assumption of it's happening often saying this, every time you meet together, you should be building each other up. You should be encouraged. You should blah, blah, blah. And it's, it doesn't just talk about church. It's, it literally doesn't say church building. It's just when you get together, could be in your living room, could be anywhere, could be a small group, could be anything. It's just, are you being built up? Because that's what needs to happen. Frequently going back to the whole nurse V, 10,000 times in five days. Uh, and I, I want to throw this out just as kind of like a joke, but serious. Don't text me 10,000 times in five days. <laughs> All right? But there's a frequency that we need to adhere to, to making sure the next generation is, is built up, that can sustain the trials that they go through. And C, community. When you meet together there's an expectancy from God that there is community happening. I always thought that was kind of interesting. Like, I've, I've always kind of pictured heaven to be the same thing. It's just going to be like this mass of souls worshiping God together. And it's so funny, like, I'll hear other people describe heaven of like, oh, when I get into this one section and, and you and I are together here, it's like, no, there's not, it's not separated in heaven. There's not walls between us. There's not things happening. We're together in community. We need to make sure we, we're embodying that as in heaven as on earth. We need to make sure we're, we're doing that. We're building community. We're not divisive. We're not separating out people saying, oh, you, you know, you don't act like me. You don't look like me. I can't, yeah, we're not in the same community. We're in this together. Bottom line. Number three, protection. The honeycomb protects the bees from winter and predators. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25 through 27 says this, the way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Each part dependent on each other part, the parts we mention, the parts we don't, the parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every part is involved in the hurt and the healing. Yeah, that's like, that's worthy of all. Every part is involved in the hurt and the healing. 
If one part flourishes, every part enters into the exuberance. You are Christ's body. That is who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. There's so much going on in this verse, but I only got like two minutes. <laughs> We're just going to talk about the protection aspect of this verse. A, protection of hive from winter. Protection from winter. When, when things are bleak. Winter, I mean, it's kind of like silly winter in Ventura. It, I mean, really. <laughs> it's just the same all year. Um, there's like those like two cold days when you wear a cardigan. Um, <laughs> but other than that, it's, I mean, it's pretty smooth sailing. Um, I, I remember one winter in Oregon, and we weren't really, exp- uh, it's just sometimes just snow happens, and you don't really expect it. Um, but it, it can get like kind of serious and a little scary. I remember one time, um, my best friend, we came home from college, and he was visiting, and we came home for like the day, and we are going to drive back, and then, um, it was really cold, and so we stayed, and my dad's like, just, I don't want you to drive at night. Just stay till the morning. We stayed, and then all of a sudden, throughout the night, it snowed, then freezing rain, then snowed, then freezing rain, then snowed, then freezing rain, just over and over and over. It was just kind of, it was flirting with that 32-degree marker of when snow become or water becomes ice, and it starts snowing. So what ended up happening was eight inches of solid ice everywhere. So solid, you could drive on top of it. Your cars didn't sink down like regular snow. So on TV, it just went, don't leave your house. Call 911 if you need something. That was, that was television that day. It was crazy. And so we're like, do we have food today? <laughs> do we got anything else? And it's this scary moment when you're like, it's not like Ventura where you're like, uh, I can just Uber Eats, get something in my house. You know, it's, it's, it's easier. But in Oregon, during winter, it, it can get scary really fast. In other, other states, it can get even scarier. And, and that's the illustration here. When we're going through winter season, our tendency is we just want to stay home and isolated. But in reality, the best thing for us is to come into community, come into the protection of the hive. The protection of the hive is, is what gives us safety. It's what... It's what keeps us encouraged. It keeps us going forward. From winter, it's the collective abundance of the honey that keeps everyone moving through the winter time in the hive. It's so crazy. I was, I was reading like some of the stats on that. It takes, what is it, like 500 bees. Uh, it's like two months to gather like this much honey. It's like absurd, weird numbers on bees. In reality, it's the collective hive of our community that will help us moving forward in times of trial and tribulation and all the hurts that are going on. Our hive offers that protection. And B, from predators. This is, this is when the enemy wants to come in and just like give us lies. Sometimes just in our mo- mental state and our emotions, sometimes through other people and they say hurtful things. And we're like, ah. Oh, I hate that. I feel so gross now. I feel so bad. And you're like, I'm just going to isolate myself. You know, maybe they're true. Maybe they're right. In reality, the, the hive is what helps us when predators come in. The hive is what helps us to keep our minds straight, to say, you know what? 
I think that was a lie, and I don't need to buy into that. I, I am a cool person. I am awesome. I don't know. Whatever they, the lie was that they told you. That's what the honeycomb is all about. Let's pray. Lord, as, as we continue diving further into the power of unity through the Hive series, I pray that you would allow us to see how important it is to be in unity. I mean, it's critical in relationships. It's critical in families, but it's even more critical in churches. Lord, I pray that as our church continues growing and, and continue developing and continue just bringing about encouragement and hope, I pray that our unity would even grow stronger and stronger. Lord, keep speaking to us. Give us those still, small, quiet voices that someone's pointed out where we can give an encouraging word and build them up. And, and I pray that our hive, our honeycomb, would really do these things storing honey and storing future generations and offering protection for all of us. That's our hope, God, through the power of unity. In your name, amen. Thanks again for listening. For other episodes, more about us, or opportunities to give, visit us at www.lighthouse805.com.